You're listening to Confessions of the Creative Kind with Jess Kovic, episode number 35. Welcome to Confessions of the Creative Kind. I'm your host, Jess Kovic, media producer by day, designer, photographer, and creative entrepreneur by later that day. Join me as I stumble through life as an artist, pick myself up, and confess everything that I've learned on the way down. Y'all ready for this? Let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you had a great holiday if you celebrated that kind of thing. I had a great two Thanksgiving dinners, one with my husband's family, one with my side of the family, and ate a lot of good food and a lot of just, you know, Thanksgiving type food. You know the drill. But I'm back up on my health grind. I ordered Chipotle today without cheese on it, and if you know me, that's a big deal. Enough about my lunch. I don't think that's why you tuned in to listen to this podcast, so I'll get into the topic without further ado. Today, I want to conclude the two-part series of the enamel earrings. So when I left you on part one, if you haven't listened, you can go back a couple episodes ago and listen to the episode I did on the production, the first time I've ran a production of enamel earrings. So this is going to be the conclusion, the dramatic, exciting conclusion of that tale. So if you haven't listened to this one, you probably want to go back and listen to the other one. So you're just all on the same page with me. Copy? Got it? Cool. Where we last left off, I did not have the earrings in hand. I was still waiting for them to be shipped. And at the time, and just to give you a little recap, I decided to use the same company that makes uh, manufactures my enamel pins that I've been getting, and they're based in Shenzhen, China. And while the products are always great, I'm usually happy with the outcome, it's good quality, and the rep that I work with is really nice. There can be some things lost in communication, and producing hard enamel metal earrings for the first time was no exception. I had my Pixel Depart heart design that is a little bit complicated of an earring design because it's not just one stud or it's not just one piece that would hang from a hook. It's a piece where you have the base main heart shape and then I had designed it so that chains would hang down and little pieces, the little pixels breaking up, breaking off from the heart were falling. Where we got to in the design process, I originally had eight pieces falling down and narrowed it down to four pieces coming down. So some back and forth, they did show me some pictures during the design phase. I was happy with what I thought I was getting. That's where we left off in part one. So part two, coming at you. I received the earrings. I received them well before the designer con, the show that I was hoping I would get them for. I actually kind of just threw caution to the wind and hoped that they'd get there, but I didn't have a ton of faith just because I felt like my luck would be that something would happen and I wouldn't get them. So I didn't want to promise I would have them at the show, but I ended up having them, which was great. I got them, I think a week before the show. So I had plenty of time to look at them and, you know, assess the situation, but just have them, which was really cool. And I sold three pair and one as just a standalone, a pin by itself. So I would say that it was a success. I'm happy with how they came out, but I am going to backtrack and tell you some of the hiccups and give you some advice if you are having your own enamel earrings manufactured and things that I've learned for the next round. One of the major lessons that I've learned in this enamel earring production process is that 
you have to really over communicate and be really clear the language barrier, the time difference. And if you're thinking to yourself that I should have already known that you're absolutely right. And I've already told you all about that. That was a main thing that I've talked about. Anytime I've talked about getting enamel pins or the enamel earrings made because of all those reasons, my advice is always over communicate, make sure you know what you're getting, make sure that you understand each other. So as much as I knew that, I didn't know enough because there was some loss in communication that were hiccups in the whole production process. So one of the main things that was kind of lost in communication that I learned from in this round is because I had the hanging chains that obviously required a different type of production, a different type of mold. So if you look at an earring, if you have one lying around, one of the ones that hangs from a hook that hooks onto the ear, you may notice that there's a little O, a little eyelet at the top of the middle, obviously, so it can hang from. In a lot of cases, I know it can be done other ways, but in order for me to have these hanging chains, I needed that type of eyelet so that the pieces would have something to hold on to. And early on when we were getting quotes for these earrings, I had originally wanted eight and then they were all kind of askew, turning different pieces, similar to the original design where they were all, some of them were turned diagonally, some of them on their right side. And it looked like it would have to be eight different molds, eight different types of metal pieces that they would have to manufacture to make all the replications of my design. So I went back to the drawing board and I reduced it down to four and still wanted two of them to be askew, turned diagonally. And then she explained that that would be another mold. So I'd be looking at three different molds instead of two. And I found this out when she had already made a sample one and took a picture of it and sent it. And they looked great and looked really cute. The color was right. The gold was right. The proportions were right. But I noticed that on the hanging pieces, they had an eyelet at the top and an eyelet at the bottom when there was nothing hanging from the bottom. I called that out as a mistake and said, you know, there's no reason to have those bottom ones and there's nothing hanging from it. She said, well, then it would be another mold fee. And at that point I had already paid and I would have to pay extra and it was already a little bit on the top end. It was more expensive than getting just enamel pins made. So I didn't want to have to pay any more for this. So I said, you know what? let's not redo it. Let's let it ride. It still looks good. I'll just know for next time. And the reason that there were the eyelets on the bottom was because I had on the middle chain, this might get a little bit confusing. So definitely check out the show notes so you can see pictures of this stuff. On the middle chain, I decided to have two pieces. So there'd be one in the middle and one hanging at the end. So essentially there'd be four pieces among three chains. So the middle one had to have an eyelet at the top and an eyelet at the bottom for the chain to hang from the top and bottom. And I didn't understand that originally when she was talking about three molds. So that's not even, it's communication, but it's not really a language barrier. I think I just didn't really understand what she was talking about. And I don't think I can pin that on her. I think it's just, I, you really need to understand the design and the, the mechanics and the physics of it. And that's why Usually places like this won't give you a quote sight unseen where they don't know your design. They need to see it to know what's going to entail. Well, kind of my bad for not really understanding that communication for what it was. Because if I would have understood that you would have to have a separate mold for the 
middle piece and the hanging pieces, or if I just really paid attention, because that's probably something I could have figured out without her saying anything. But if I knew that and understood it, I would have designed it without that fourth piece. I would have just had three chains with the three hanging pieces at different levels and called it a day. And it would have been even cheaper because there would have been four pieces. So three of the falling pieces and the base instead of the five that I ended up with. So I really kicked myself on making it cost more than it needed to and complicating the design, which I did not need to do. So the way that they turned out, it just kind of looks like part of it that there's just more sparkle hanging down from the earrings. So that was a live and learn experience, but it doesn't look bad. The next thing that was kind of a miscommunication that I misunderstood and was a little bit shocked when I saw when I got the earrings in my hands is that the amount of them. So I was under the impression that I was getting 50 pair of earrings. So there would be a hundred pieces essentially. And I thought that that made sense because 50 was the minimum quantity. And usually a hundred is the minimum quantity for enamel pins. So I thought, and I think I even mentioned it on the last podcast that I'd be getting a hundred pieces, 50 pair. That's how I'd factor in my price of it. And when it arrived, well, not only was it not a hundred, it was only 50, but they were missing two. And she had called out the missing two. She said uh, she had to send it because they ran out of pieces without two. And before I even got the package, I asked if I could be refunded for the two that I didn't get. And obviously she said yes. So I was going to need a a short refund for that, but I got the pieces and they were only 48. So essentially that's only 24 pairs that I could sell, which dramatically changes the profit margin of what I was thinking to sell these for. So I went back and looked at all the communication that I had had an email with her to try to call out the fact that I was talking about pairs so I could get some kind of refund and I could not find it. I just said quantity 50. So it was completely my fault and my bad and I couldn't say anything about it. But as it stood, I had paid somewhere over $700 to get these earrings done and to sell them as pairs and only having 24 pair for that price, I would make no profit. And that really ate away with me. I had a breakdown and I cried and I, my husband said, oh, this is going to be a great story for your podcast. So you'd be the judge of that. So I was really frustrated with myself for making this mistake and yes, live and learn, but it's super frustrating. So now I had to be determined to sell these earrings because I had to sell them at cost essentially and make my money back and may decide if I even wanted to do another round. In my bitterness, I went back and I wanted the refund for the two items that I didn't get because it was 48 instead of 50 shipped. And I was breaking down the math and I asked her if I could get that refund now. And she said a number and I was like, wait a minute, none of this is making sense. So I went back, looked at the quote, did the math and decided how much each one was worth. And in that process, I discovered a huge error in the quote that I paid way too much. I paid about $250 more than I should have paid. And here's what happened. I had so many quotes going back and forth in the beginning of this process, because if you remember, I wanted the eight pieces hanging down and went down to four, or I think I had six at one point, just trying to see where the quote lied. I think somewhere in that process, quotes got shuffled around and the numbers got shuffled around. So she ended up giving me the last estimate for, I think, the eight pieces. 
which was a huge, huge difference. And when I figured that out, I was so thrilled because that meant, assuming that they wouldn't give me a hard time about giving my money back, that meant that I was actually going to make a profit on these earrings. And I was so ecstatic. And I broke down the math explicitly in the email and probably over analyzed it and over laid it out for her, but I wanted it to be so clear at that point after my mistake that this is what it should be, this lower amount, and that I wouldn't have a hard time getting the refund. And once she looked at it, she said, okay, I'll check the math. And she checked and she said, oh my goodness, you're right. I'm so sorry. Got the refund immediately. So, oh my God, what a stupid error and mistake that had I not gone back and been bitter about it, because my other stupid error and mistake in math, of course, math is going to doom my life every time. I'm so, I'm so bad at math. But had I not looked back on it, I would have just sat there with a $250 deficit crying about my, my loss of profits with these earrings. So it completely changed everything. And we're back to more of the scope of what I thought these would cost and what kind of profit I'd be getting. Yeah, that that made a huge difference, and I was much happier to sell these earrings at the show because it just was a world difference. In other words, I wouldn't have to sell as many to at least break even on these things. So that realization made me feel much better about the fact that I wasn't getting as many as I thought I was getting. The numbers worked out much better, and it also made me feel better about the, I guess, Third thing that I learned in this whole process, I had sent a mock-up of the earring on a woman's ear so she could see about the size that I wanted. And she asked me the exact size. And I said, I don't know, but here's a a mock-up. That was a big mistake. I should have got out a ruler and decided exactly how big I wanted these things because she suggested that I have the base earring part be one inch and a quarter. And then the hanging pieces would be half an inch. And I was just said, sure, great, sounds good. And then when she sent me a mock-up, that proportion was really off. The hanging pieces seemed really big. So I said, hey, I think I need, those pieces need to be smaller. So she said, okay, about how about six millimeters? Saw the mock-up and it looked more proportionate. So I said, great, let's do it. But when I got the earrings, I realized that they're a little bit bigger than I had imagined. So definitely bigger than the mock-up, and I'm an idiot because I just didn't make that connection. I should have put, I should have pulled out a ruler, like it's like a very basic mistake. So that way I would just know what I was getting. So getting it, it was a little bit bigger than I expected it to be, and at first I was disappointed, and then all the number stuff hit, and I was feeling really down about the whole process, and like I wasted money, and no one's gonna buy these. And then that coupled with the extra ringlet eyelet at the bottom of the pieces. But then I tried them on and I was like, oh, actually, they're really a statement piece and it actually looks kind of good at this size. Maybe it is a tad bigger than I wanted it to be, but it ended up working out. And in fact, some of my friends and my family that saw it and were like, oh, I want to I want to get some of those. My aunt actually bought some from me at the show. Bless her heart. And I was like, are you sure they're not too big? Because I might make some more and they might be a little smaller. So if you want to wait, I totally understand. And she was like, no, I want them this size because I have long hair. So I want them to stand out. And a lot of people commented that they liked the size as it was. So 
that was a happy accident, I guess, making them such a big standout piece. So at the end of the day, it ended up working out for me, but I dodged a couple of really big errors. And because of the the eyelet and this being my first run and a couple things that I would change at a next batch, I'm happier that I had less of a run because if I got what I thought I was getting in 50 pair, that'd be a lot more that I'd, uh, that's 50 pair I'd have to sell through before I could attempt another run. And now it's only 24 pair because remember she left out those two of the 50 anyway. So I'm really happy that they came out the way they did despite my personal mess ups, but And I'm happy that people like them. Like uh, they've been purchased by friends, but also people at the convention purchased them kind of just at sight and fell in love. And I just feel really strong about this design. So after I know I definitely learned something from this process, I want to do another run of those earrings and I want to do another run of new designs. Now I've learned so much. The biggest thing is to be explicitly clear with your wording. Communication could never over-communicate the fact that 50 pair or a 24 pair, just be very explicit on how many pieces that you're getting. Be very explicit about the sizing. Break out a damn ruler and put it up to your ear and decide actually how big you're going to want these things so you know what to expect. I might even actually measure it out and cut it out and make a little paper craft just to see if that's the appropriate size that I would want to be going for. And obviously make sure it's worth your while when you're going to be selling these by pairs. The color was perfect. I had nailed that in the enamel pin making process in that say a Pantone color number so that you're both on the same page. When I've been posting them on social media, I got a comment saying, asking if I had any or I was going to make any in the future that are the hanging version because the way they are now, the post is on the back of the big heart and they're asking for a version with where that part hangs from the hook. That would be, if we learned anything, another mold with a eyelid at the top of the heart because that person has stretched ears and wanted to put them through the stretched hole, I think. So I didn't plan to make them that way. I might consider it in the future, but I think I'd have to survey and see if more people are into that kind of thing. So in another run, they could be like that. I might stick with how they are, but just make them a little bit smaller. I'll make it three pieces. So it's a little bit less expensive for me to produce. And I really believe in this design. So I really want to push it and make more of these things. And I feel like it'd be a waste to not make more earrings. Another run now that I'm learning more and paying more attention to what I should have been paying attention to in the first place. And I actually got some cheap cards printed, business cards, but I'm using them as the backings for the earrings. So I assembled that myself. And when I sell them, I'm putting them on these really cute branded cards. So it looks all profesh. And I went downtown, uh, downtown Los Angeles, where they have a lot of wholesale district things for jewelry. And I went to a jewelry box wholesaler and got these really cool, like teal green colored jewelry boxes so that when I ship them, it looks like a little gift. And I've already sent some out. So now I feel like I'm, I'm ready. I'm prepared. I want to make more earrings and I want to send them out. I think I'm going to start pitching those amongst us, some of my other designs, but pitching those specifically to retail shops and see if I can get some sugar bunch all up in some of these gift shops. How cool would that be? Very. So that about wraps up all of the knowledge and ex- expertise I've gained on enamel earrings and, um, we'll do it again. I might not do a whole nother episode on this and we'll close this saga, but I will let you know when I attempt another run in the future. So we'll give, I'll give you a update segment when it's happening. Probably 
closer to the beginning of 2020. And I'll let you know what other designs I'm converting into earrings. One of the things I talked about at DesignerCon with uh, some a fellow exhibitor um, was having classic designs that are known at your brand. Whenever I get things made, I have a tendency to want to do a new design because I just, I'm on to the new thing. And part of me felt like if I'm going to produce something and it gets sold in person at events, whoever wanted it has already bought it. So why would I do another run? But it's a great big wide world. And some of the more successful booths I feel have repeat designs. And for me, my most popular design has always been salty, which is some French fries with the word salty on it and the hot damn. That's kind of been what I've been known for partially because I had my friend that works with my husband and both of them had followings. I had the model in those shirt designs in part also because I think they're just good designs. I do say so myself. So I think that I am going to dip back into those pools of the great design and make that a sugar bunch staple. I may make some new enamel pins. I had a couple, I think three different runs of salty and they all sold out. So maybe it's a time to make a new one. I haven't decided, or maybe new hot damn merchandise, but I'm kind of into the idea of hitting up the classics again and making those staples. So anyway, that's all I have for today. I will have a brand new episode for you next week and we'll talk about some great topics that I've already thought about before the end of the year. And I can't wait to do some research on those. And we're now in full thrust of the holiday season. Take it easy. It could get crazy out there in all the senses of the word. As a side note, if you're listening to this on Monday, as it goes out, it is Cyber Monday. And in my store, you can still get a free avocado toast pin, enamel pin with any accessory purchase or any purchase from the end of your clearance section. And you can get to that from the homepage. There is a slider on the front page that will take you to all the items that are marked down. So that deal with the free enamel pin will go until midnight Pacific Standard Time on Monday. And so get your orders in for that. But the sale of all the markdown items will be going on through the end of the year. I just want to clear out some of our old inventory, give you guys some deals for the holidays. And yeah, so go check that out and save you some money. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. So that way you will always get it downloaded into your account. And you always know when I have an episode live And don't forget to tell all of your friends and go leave me a review and tell your friends to leave me a review. And I will love you forever. And I will shout you out on the podcast. All right. That's all I have for today. Enjoy your week and we'll talk at the next one. Thank you so much for listening to Confessions of the Creative Kind. If you'd like to see more of my work, you can visit my website at jesskovic.com. And if you're interested in snagging some of my design products, you can visit my online art boutique at sugarbunchcreative.com. You can find and connect with me on Twitter or Instagram at jess underscore kovic. And finally, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and review in the iTunes store and then tell a friend. Why not? Until next time, take care and talk soon.